property manager worked with them all the time. So I didn't actually have to go through the process of seeing their work or whatever. The property manager was on my side, right? Because he wants to continue managing this property. Plus he was getting a, a 5% um, project management fee as well. So he's not going to go people that's going to mess up the job. Yeah. So through him, we've, I found a great contractor who, who's been doing really good work ever since. It might be a little bit expensive, but you know, you, you can't go always on price, right? You go on value. All right, guys, welcome again to another amazing episode. Today we have Barry Griffiths. Uh, he's the host of the YouTube channel Wrestling with Real Estate and WWE Podcast. Uh, he interviews people from all over, uh, of all aspects of the industry. Uh, his goal is to help educate as many people to the amazing benefits of real estate. So just like us, you know, and, you know, Barry, from what I understand, is an amazing guy. I spoke to my brother earlier, so, you know, huge uh Huge uh, bonus that my brother already says he, he's amazing because my brother's a social butterfly. I know he doesn't <laughs> like me to say that, but he is. Um, in, in another life, Barry was a uh, professional wrestler. Uh, he went through a lot of a lot of podiums, a lot of exposure. He was on Monday Night Raw. So <laughs> we're going to go ahead and let him talk about all his experiences, how he got into real estate, and let us know how, how, how much fun the ride has been. So Barry, if you could go ahead and, and you know introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about hey man, how does a professional wrestler get into real estate? How does that happen? Well, first of all, foremost, thanks for having me. And uh, uh, yeah, I had German on my show the other day, and he was yeah. awesome. It was, a, it, it was it was awesome. a great time, man. Awesome conversation. Wait, I I think the two of us are social butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but um, I think I, I'm faking it, baby. I don't know. I'm trying. You're like I'm trying. a, you, you, you're like a social, social eagle. I'm like a butterfly. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on. And by, by the way, uh, Oscar, you're a much better guy than me. I, I stopped reading bios a while back because I would always, always mess them up. I started reading people's bios and I was like, all right, I got to stop this because I'm doing a terrible job. So you did awesome, by the way. <laughs> Thanks, you know, man. I was like, yeah, you're a better, you're a better man than me. So yeah, I'm, my name's Barry Griffiths. I grew up in Wales in the UK. Um, it's a tiny, tiny little town in Wales in the UK. Um, sports guy all my life. Um um, started lifting weights, built the physique for myself, training all the time and decided that, hey, I'm, I want to do something with this, right? Wasn't drinking, wasn't partying, wasn't doing anything. It was pretty boring really at times. But I was like, I want to do something. I want more. And I wanted more for my life. Always knew that. I always had ambition, ambitions to have more in my life. Luckily came across wrestling, had some luck in meeting the right person. And then through that, started wrestling in the UK. Um got signed by the WWE, came over to Tampa, Florida, which was amazing in itself. Lived in Tampa, Florida for about four years, wrestled for WWE for that time. Got a job with Cirque du Soleil, and now I currently work with Cirque du Soleil. So the way a real estate fitted in for me was in 2014, um, my contract came to an end with WWE, and I just bought a house. It was like an expensive house. It was like a $435,000 home, and then they had a it was in a nice area, so I had expensive CDD, HOA fees, and it came to about $25.50 a month that I had in, in, in mortgage payment, right? And it, this was not uh, an investment property at all. I bought it because I liked the flooring, I liked the walls, the color of the walls, I liked the, the view, you know, everything, nothing that adds value to the property and that is makes a good investment, right? And obviously with a $25.50, you know, the, the rent 
wouldn't have never have covered the, the mortgage really. To, so terrible investment, but I love the home. It was an emotional buy. So when that job came to an end, I was like, well, now I've got this mortgage payment. I've got no real skills. I've got no backup plan, right? I've got other than being a wrestler, I've got no backup plan. And then, you know, I can lift dumbbells and I can wrestle, but that, that doesn't always pay the bills right now. So I had to figure a way how to rent this house out. Went down the route of finding a renter, you know, learning how to screen tenants, all that stuff. And I think that exposed me to bigger pockets, exposed me to rich dad, poor dad. And this whole new world, like, opened up in front of my eyes. I say it's like, you know, the Matrix when, uh, what's his name, yeah. Keanu Reeves' character? Like, he finally deciphers the code or whatever, and he's able to dodge bullets and all that stuff. That's kind of how it was to me. Like, this whole new world opened up to me, and I was like what is going on here? What is this all about? You know, and I just fell in love with real estate from there. So that's kind of, kind of in a nutshell, kind of how I fell in love and how I got introduced to real estate. Yeah, no, I think it's crazy how, you know, it's those blinders, you wake up and it's like a whole new world. You're like, where and have it, I been? And you, and you, and you feel like a genius because now you feel like you discovered water or something. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell it to everybody. Oh my God. That's exactly, yeah, right. You want to, you want to like talk, shout it from the hilltops, right? Real estate investing is the best thing in the world, right? You want to tell everyone. I, I don't try. I do anyway. I try and tell all my friends and my family about the great benefits of it. Unfortunately, not everyone wants to listen, but I try. Yeah, like you're crazy. You're <laughs> yeah. That's why it's very important to people like yourself, right? That's why I love my podcast and probably you guys love it too. Is like, when you get someone on the show, you know they love real estate, right? So you're like, all right, this is going to be awesome because you know yeah. they love real estate. You don't have to sell them. You don't have to like... And yeah. When you go to social gatherings, you can't really be like, hey, so you interested in real estate? You want to talk about real estate? You just have to talk about like, hey, how's your kids doing? How's your job? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. All that stuff. But when we, um, when, when, when we jump on these, these things, we're like, all right, this is going to be good because we get to talk about real estate. Yeah, we yeah. call out, man. So, so, so after that, t tell us a little bit. So you went... You know, your contract ended, you had to figure this out. And then from there, what was your next real estate, uh, you know, deal or what did you do from there? Yeah, so 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 essentially, so I found a tenant for that property um, and that was it was rough because I got the tenant in for 2300 So I was eating about $350 a month at the time in negative cash flow um, from that property. So that, that was rough, but I was kind of managing that. So I was kind of doing that, but... You know, when you when you get a property that expensive, right? That's that's kind of a, a screening process by itself, right? There's only a certain amount of people that can afford a twenty five fifty a month, especially in Florida. I don't know if you know anything about Florida, but in twenty fourteen rents weren't that expensive, right? Really, they mm. weren't. So you're getting a certain kind of person in. So I had a great tenant in, um, fixing everything, you know, and sorting everything out. So I then I moved to, to so I have op opened this world of real estate investing. I'm diving into it. I'm listening to the podcast. I'm trying to find out as much as I can and understand like how to do it. So I moved to Vegas. I rent initially because I didn't I I didn't know how secure my job was. I didn't want to buy, and then in a year's time, like I had to change jobs again. So I rented, which I regret now. I wish I would have bought when I got here because Vegas at the end of 2015, even at 2015, I would have got, still got some great deals. Even if I bought off the MLS, bought market value, I would have still gotten a great deal. And yeah, now right, but obviously you live and you learn. So anyway, in 2016, I'm going to meetups. I'm meeting people, and and I'm looking at bigger pockets. And thankfully. I knew how to kind of analyze a deal. I knew that what well, your rent minus your mortgage isn't your cash flow, right? Which most people think, right? So if you if your rent's fifteen hundred and your mortgage is is a thousand, 
that's not what your cash flow is, right? And unfortunately, people think that $500 goes right into their pocket, but you, you, you learn through bigger pockets and these are the educational platforms that, you know, you want to pl- allow for property management, CapEx, um, some kind of reserves, you know, um, any kind of repairs and maintenance, you know. So you want to you, you want to allow for those. So I did that on on a on a number of properties. Finally, found a foreclosure townhome. I bought it for 173, and it rented out for 1300. So it wasn't the one percent rule, but the good thing about Vegas is, uh, and this property as well, being a townhome, is that. Um, townhome for ones, you know, you don't have to worry about the, the landscaping, the outside maintenance, right? It's just everything internal, right? They take care of everything else. So so I kind of had that taken care of. So that was nice. And in Vegas, there's no um, state tax. That's I always mix, miss that. Yeah, no state tax, right? Or income tax. Whatever it is. There's no, <laughs> I know this, but I'm drawing a blank now. But I think there's no state tax. So you're saving money there. So that's saving money. Plus, in Vegas, it's not as much wear and tear, right? You don't have to pay for snow removal, you know, lands, you know, there's much landscaping, you know, there's a lot of desert, desert landscaping, all that stuff. So, you know, it was it was a pretty good deal in terms of not having to do much work. And it also the good thing is as well, it was a, a foreclosure. So I fixed it up. So I knew that I, I I baked that into the returns. So once you fix something up, right, you, you know that you're not really gonna have a lot of repairs and maintenance you know, not the same. So that was a pretty good solid deal and it was in a good area. So I got another good tenant in there, which was great. You know, that's, I've been lucky in that so far that I've had great tenants um, and they kind of took care of the property. Any problem that come up, the lady would find, she had friends that were plumbers and contractors. She would get them in to do the work and we would just take it off the rent. Um, So I bought that and then I bought a primary residence to live in that was like a live-in flip. So I bought that for 232, ended up selling it for 307 in two years' time. So I could avoid the capital gains. Didn't have to pay any capital gains tax on that. But during that time, I was like, I had a goal, right? And as more people most people tell you in real estate, you want to set yourself a goal and kind of work back from that, right? Reverse engineering, right? What is what is your life look like? What what does that cash flow look like? What is your number that you need to get to? So I figured I needed 40 single family homes cash flowing $250 a month each. And I wanted to do it in 10 years, so four properties a year. And at the time as well, I wasn't fully aware of the creative finances, the Burr method, all that stuff. I was looking to buy one primary residence a year and buy three others on the MLS with 20% down. So like, I was trying to really crunch the numbers, like figure out how to save every last penny, like encouraging my wife to like make more money in her job so we could buy like three properties with 20% of down. And then one day I met with someone like through bigger pockets and he's like, Hey, you know, you have 40 single family homes, right? That's 40 doors, right? You know, if you buy one apartment complex, you can get there in one deal. And I was like, wait, wait, what? You mean these big apartment complexes that are all around me that, you know, it seems like Donald Trump or someone like that owns. I can kind of buy one and 40 units at the time seemed huge to me. I was like the biggest thing ever, right? 40 units. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's like now 400 units is, is, is big. Right. But at the time it was like the craziest. <laughs> my, 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 and again, that my mind got blown the same as that initial realization mm-hmm. of real estate investing. And he, you know, he told me about all the benefits of multifamily, right. You know, that, you know, you can force appreciation, you know, 
you have one tenant that goes empty and a single family, right? It's hundred percent empty. If you have one tenant that goes empty on a hundred unit property, you're still 99% occupied. And all this other great stuff that I can talk for days about why I love multifamily. But um, so I, I then dove into that. So so re I realized then that multifamily was where I wanted to be. So I ended up selling all three of my properties because I wanted to focus on multifamily and um, two of the three had gone up a good amount. The two properties in Vegas had gone up a good amount in, in appreciation. And I knew they may go up more, but I was happy with where they were. So I wanted, I had the chips on the table and I could have gambled to make more, but I was happy with it. So I wanted to take those chips on the table and then transfer those into multifamily. So now I, I own uh, six units in Cincinnati, Ohio. So that's another story in itself. Um, but I, I own six units in Cincinnati, Ohio. I wanted something bigger. But because um, this was a great project, it was, I, I see almost like a flip, right? All the six units needed a good amount of work, like, and, and I was able to push rents massively, right? A lot of the rents were 525, 550. I'm getting, I'm getting 1200, 1300, 1400 on some of them. So, you know what I mean? That's seven, eight, $900 rent bumps I'm getting on some of them, which is crazy. So, looking to sell that in the next couple of months and then take away a good amount of equity and 1031 it, um, do a reverse 1031 actually probably and buy something much more 40 units. Uh, oh, that's awesome, man. So then, yeah, yeah. And at the same time trying to, um, um, scale up my syndication business as well. Um, and I, I love the syndication model and involve partner, partnering with a group, um, great group of guys and that, we all work well together. We all have skill sets that complement each other and just, yeah, just trying to grow in, into the syndication model. Awesome, man. That's pretty cool. So let me ask you this. Are you, did you do any mentorship? Did you do, did you go through any program? Yeah. Yeah. So, so when I started looking into multifamily initially, like I was like, okay, start meeting with, meeting with brokers like you did. And I even like to tour a couple of properties and I was like looking at it and I was like, Okay, I, I, I'm kind of have an idea what I'm doing here, but I really don't, right? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I fooled the brokers enough that they didn't, but I was getting close to like making offers, and like I was like, man, this is scary to me right now. Like, there's so much. You know what I mean? And this is, I was only looking at 20 units, like 20 units wouldn't scare me one bit now, but at the time, mm -hmm. it was just kind of getting scared and worried about, like, hey, you know, for one, I might be bringing people on with me as investors and partnering with people, but this is a lot of money we're talking about now, right? Yeah. This is, you know, this is not a single family home where if it goes wrong, okay, you're going to lose some money. You're going to lose big money. And a lot of things can go wrong here. So I realized that and understood myself that I needed someone to kind of guide me. So I joined um, Joe Fairless's mentoring program for a few reasons. I like Joe as a person. For me, yeah. that was important to land with someone that, I didn't want someone that was a super guru, right? That was just like, you know, certain people out there that just talk about their cars and, you know, what they're buying and all that stuff. And Joe mm -hmm. didn't seem like that at all to me. Um, I really, really liked him as a person. And I liked um, that he taught how to uh, partner with um, passive investors and kind of, you know, help everyone win in the deal, right? You find passive investors, they come along, you give them a great return, you get a great return and everyone wins. So I ended yeah. up going with that. So, and that's been great. I'm, I'm, got, I'm very happy that I did that. No, that's awesome, man. And, you know, everyone goes with, you know, someone different and based on who they like. Like I know we went with Jake and Gino 
And that's been life-changing. And I can only imagine Joe Fairless. And I actually, I didn't even know Joe Fairless did coaching, um, you know, until recently where I started looking at his website and it says coaching. I think it's coaching one-on-one and everything. But I was like, wow. I mean, I would say out of, out of probably all the big, bigger names, Joe Fairless is probably one or two. Like that guy has, he has, uh, what is it? Um, Ashcroft Capital and, yeah. and they, all, they, all, they control over a billion dollars worth over of over a billion, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what what I like, like you said there with Joe as well. There was there was two other things I liked. I like that he wasn't advertising, so he wasn't pushing it. Hey, join my coaching program, right? It was almost like if you found it and you were interested and you were a good fit for him, he would take you on. So he wasn't trying to take on a hundred clients a month or whatever, right? He was just and he works one on one. So whenever I want to call with him. I didn't want to sign up for for some some of these coaching programs that you never ever get access to the to the main guys ever, right? Yeah, I, yeah. You know, not to name it, you never like. So what are you like? Why am I signing up with you when I'm never ever once going to get a word in with you or get any interaction exactly. with you? So that was important. So Joe, you, you, I speak. To, I've never spoken to anyone else except for Joe every single time. So I get and I can schedule a call a week with him if I want. So. Um, to get that access and to get that time with someone was important to me. So, but I think yeah. what, like you said, you're right. Mentoring can be life changing, right? People are worried, and you, you got to be careful, right? Some of them charge an arm and a leg and a fortune, right? Some, some is yeah. ridiculous, right? Quite ridiculous. And um, yeah. but Jake and Gina was another one I looked at, and seriously considered them. And I think they're really good as well. I think you guys made a great choice there. Um, yeah. But mentoring can help you so much, right? Because it's like, for one they'll teach you stuff, right? They'll teach you stuff that you don't know. But also, you can learn the mistakes that they've made, right? You know what I mean? They've made plenty of mistakes, right? <laughs> That's how you usually are successful. You have to make mistakes to get there. But you can use the, their mistakes to kind of learn from so you don't have to do that, right? It's just, it's really good. And it also, it kind of gives you a kick up the ass as well, right? You, you know what I mean? If you pay for mentorship, right? You can't just be sitting on your hands, right? You're like, hey, I spent this money. I better take some action, you know? Yeah. yeah, that's the that's the key part right there. So one of the things that, that that I think is very important is is to find mentorship as early as possible, uh, you know, and in that way you, you like you say you're paying for education and and you also paying for something else which is network, you know, mm-hmm. you you're paying your way into a huge network that they already possess, um, and the fact that if you have a deal, and and you don't have the knowledge, you, and you kind of like you, you know that it, it might be a good deal, but you have that. You know that the, the, that the, doubt. that doubt of like, okay, am I gonna do this right? You can always bring it to them, and and they can tell you right away, hey, it's a good deal, jump on it, and this is how you're gonna do it. You know, so yeah, that's that's a pretty good point. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. No, I love that, man. So then, you know, talk talk about uh, do you have a specific deal that you've done in multifamily? Anything you tell us about? Um, any any specific process that you think you're you got down uh, on the right, you name it, any of that stuff? Yeah, so the six unit, well, this, so I can talk you through the six unit if you want, like kind of what's been going yeah. on. You know, yeah. It's been a learning process for sure, man. Like, cause obviously I'm in, I'm in Las Vegas, Nevada and the property is in um, Cincinnati, Ohio, which isn't close by any stretch of the imagination, yeah. right? Um, so, um, there's been an interesting learning process about how to deal with contractors, how to deal with property managers, setting expectations, you know, kind of communicating with them. And it's been good. It's, it's For the most part, everything's gone um, pretty well, right? But, you know, as most people, right, when you deal with contractors, I had 
not the best first experience, right? I hired a guy. So, so how you build teams a lot of times, and I don't know how you guys do it, but I was always told you start with one person, right? You find one good person and then you build a team out from there. So I found a broker, right? And I really like broker, really like him to this day. So I was looking for recommendations um, from him for other teams, for property managers, for, for contractors, maybe, and even lenders, right? But so he recommend he didn't recommend, he said he knew of a contractor that was working on another project that he, he just closed on and um, sold, sold it to someone. And he seemed really good. So I met with this guy, he came to the property because when I was there doing the inspection, he met with me and he said, he seemed good, he seemed great. So, and he, he seemed very reasonable in price. So I was like, oh, okay, this is easy. This has gone great. I'm getting a great price. This guy seems really nice, really genuine. And you can start right away. I was like, oh, what are people talking about this contracting stuff? This is just, this is yeah. this, right. I could do this in my sleep. I'm, I'm in Vegas, I'm a rock star. I'm just chilling, whatever. So anyway, so he's he's doing one thing and, and then there's always like, he didn't start on time and there's an excuse and he's late and then so on and on. And then there's like strange stuff kind of happened, like stuff one, you know, wasn't going to plan and they were doing some odd stuff. And then my property manager was going there and I was like, hey, this doesn't look good. Like, why is this like this? Well, a month maybe into it, like I had to like say, hey, listen, what? this is terrible. What, like he sent me pictures of the tile in the bathroom and it was just like crooked and like all this shoddy work. And the end I said, Hey man, I'm not paying for this. You, you've got to get off this job site. And he's like, Oh man, I'm sorry. I hired some guys to do the job and they weren't, they didn't know what they were doing. I'm like, man, what are you thinking? Like it turns out these guys were driving like an hour from um, um, another, another state staying in his workshop, sleeping in his workshop and like just working on this job. And they had no idea what they were doing so much. So that I actually, so when I realized that I hired someone else to do, I had another unit that was getting fixed up and there, these guys were going to the other guys and asking them, Hey, how do we do this? We don't know how to do this. We don't know how to put this in. So anyway, in the end, I fired up those guys didn't end up losing too much. And the work was thankfully not too disastrous that the other guys were able to go in there and kind of fix that work. Uh, but that was kind of a lesson in terms of, you know, you got to vet the contractors a little better, right? There's, you know, there's better ways to vet contractors. And I've learned that uh, now is that you want to, if you can go to their other job sites and see what kind of other work they get, get referrals from people that they've worked with. Um, you know, check, check their online presence, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that you can kind of do to kind of try and mitigate those risks, risks, right. And ultimately, you know, contractors is one of the hardest things to find, but that was a lesson in itself. So the, the second contractors, how I found them was through the property manager. So the property manager worked with them all the time. So I didn't actually have to go through the process of seeing their work or whatever. The property manager was on my side, right? Because he wants to continue managing this property. Plus he was getting a, a 5% um, project management fee as well. So he's not going to go people that's going to mess up the job. Yeah. So through him, we've, I found a great contractor who, who's been doing really good work ever since. It might be a little bit expensive, but you know, you, you can't go always on price, right? You go on value. Right, mm -hmm. what, what people charge you isn't necessarily the value that you get, right? So they're doing a great job. They've done three of the unit, no, yeah, three of the units that they're currently working on the fourth. So I've got two more units to go. 
um, and then, you know, hopefully rent those out and, and kind of sell it. So, you know, that, that was a big learning curve in terms of that, right? And then also in terms of um, setting expectations to the co- current contractors. So contractors, you know, they're great. They kind of go, go ahead, but they've done some stuff without necessarily asking me. Um, and they're trying to do good. So they're not, nothing shady or anything like that. But after a while I had to say, Hey guys, big items. Okay. If you're deciding if a plug goes here or here, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to reach me, but if you're deciding like which countertop we're going to go up, go with, or what kind of cabinets, like I want you guys to reach out to me and I know you guys are trying to get it done quickly and you guys are picking what's best and you guys do this all the time, but I want to have my input and I want to make these decisions with you guys. So guys, let's make sure that you reach out. So you know, that was a small thing and it wasn't a bad thing because, you know, they make good decisions, but I, I want to be involved in those kind of stuff. So um, that, that's definitely been a, something else. And something else is also is is keeping on top of the property manager a little bit more. I'm sure I'm a pain in their ass. I'm sure they're like, oh God, this guy's calling again. But, you know, when, when units are getting ready to be leased, I, I, I want, you know, the coming soon advertised, right? Hey, this unit is coming online soon. I don't want the day that it's ready. That's when it's getting advertised. Um, so you're just making sure little stuff like that, making sure that the pictures are good, that they, you know, you know that they're advertising it the right way, that it's on all the sites. Just little stuff like that. Just keeping on top of them because you have to manage the property management. It's not a case of like you get a, you put the property management company in place and you're like, all right, I'm done again. I'm going back to sip my cocktail. Right? No, you have to keep on top of them. Now you've got to be careful that you. you you know, I'm not calling up every single day and asking every last question. You've got to pick and choose your battles, but at the same time, you've got to again. It's about setting expectations, right? You've got to train people how how you want to be dealt with and how what you're expecting from them. So I think yeah. that's been the biggest, rather than any kind of little stuff, is those setting those expectations with contractors, with property manager, with whoever you're dealing with. That's been kind of my biggest lesson, I think. That's crazy. I can't believe. These guys were hired and they didn't know how to do basic. I don't know if they'd ever done any contract, like any like contracting work before. They had uh, no idea what they were doing. I mean, uh, they, 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 I think the unprofessionalism comes from the uh, from the general contractor who has a license, you know, and he's hiring people. Is that's that's where it, it aggravates me. Uh, the uh, the lack of responsibility and, and unprofessionalism of uh, somebody doing that type of stuff you know it's like well you hire me let me just hire whoever's in the streets and, and put them in there yeah and what he was saying was like i'm busy i can't get there myself i'm busy doing other jobs for myself like he i think he owned properties himself and stuff yeah and i was like well, that's not my how is that my fault i hired you i didn't hire two yeah. brothers from you know who have no idea what they're doing right and like yeah. so unfortunately that's you know it's these kind of stuff are prevalent. The, the 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 lucky thing for me was that the work wasn't too disastrous, right? I didn't have to go back and completely redo everything. Like they painted, right? So the paint was was acceptable. It was you know it needed a little bit of touch up, but I didn't have to go back and repaint. They did some kitchen work. I didn't have to completely redo the kitchen. Like the the bathroom tiles, it was just on the edge, so they had to re, redo that kind of part. It wasn't a complete and utter disaster, but it wasn't. Yeah. You know, it was frustrating for sure yeah no that's crazy man Jeremy, what else you got yeah let's go back let's go back a little bit so so you <clears throat> went you you found well first of all uh how did you find this deal did you fly to ohio um and the other one is what type of assets what type of asset is this is a it's a six unit uh but it's either b c a 
Yeah, so the good thing on this one was it was a, a C asset in a probably a B plus area. Like it was maybe a C minus when I took it over, to be honest with you. Like the, the landlord, the, the old landlord was a slumlord for sure. One of the units just had so much water damage. It was disgusting. I didn't know how the guy lived in there. It was just, oh, it was terrible. You know what I mean? It, yeah, I felt bad for the guy, but unfortunately the guy, you could tell he lived in squalor himself. He didn't, you know, even though the unit was bad, he, he made it worse as well. So mm -hmm. it, it was, um, you know, it was that it was, but a few people are looking at it. I think because it needed quite a bit of work, it kind of put people off. I think they couldn't see the potential, but the area mm -hmm. is a really like beautiful tree lined streets. It's within like, it's in an area called Covington, which is just outside of um, Cincinnati. It's about, 10 minutes from downtown. So re really good location, but it's also in a nice little place called Covington. So it's, this is two blocks away from the main street there. It's called Madison Avenue. And it's, um, it's kind of, you know, there's a lot of young professionals. There's like nice bars and restaurants and coffee shops and stuff like that. So I could kind of see all that there as well. So, um, yeah, it was definitely a, a BB plus asset in a, in a area, which is kind of what you want. Right. Uh, yeah. So I could see, uh, yeah, C minus property in a B plus area, right? So it's it's kind of it's kind of what you want because you can improve that property and bring it up to what what that area is, right? What you don't want is a a, a B a B property in a C area, right? Yeah. Because there's nothing you can't improve the area itself unless you're buying the whole area and improving the whole area. So so that 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 was great. Um, what was the other story? Oh, when uh, so when you found this uh, this deal, oh, do you fly to Ohio or do you do everything long distance? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so how I found it was through broker relationships. How I've done everything really is through broker relationships. Um, you, you know, there's plenty of other ways that you can do find deals, but that's kind of been the main focus of me for, is, is building those broker relationships, getting good, stronger broker relationships, and getting them to bring it to me. So yeah, I I flew there. I flew there quite a bit actually. So I started looking. I bought this in November of uh, last year, so November of 19, um, and I probably flew out there in January of 19 to start looking. Um, to, you know, I, once I since as a market, and it was Joe Fairless that kind of guided me because I wanted a stable market. That's why I chose the Midwest. I wanted something that was a lot more stable because Vegas is a boom and bust town. Right? It's great when it's going up, but when it's going down, you don't want to be on that curve. And I realized that and I thought that, uh, you know, in end of 2018 that, you know, things were getting hot, how wrong I was, right? Two years. That's another lesson I've learned, right? Never, you know, you want to wait and time the market or whatever. That's a terrible idea. So, yeah. um, but, but, but I decided I wanted another market. I picked Cincinnati because it was a lot more stable. So my yeah. wife is, she's a realtor here in Las Vegas now, but she was uh, a flight attendant for Delta. So that means I get free flights. Okay. So I was able to nice. think about it. Right? That, that helped me a lot. So it was, you know, obviously, you know, you're saving whatever it is, three, four, five hundred every time you fly. That's, you know, that's a significant saving at the time. So, so I was able to fly out there whenever I wanted, really. So I flew out there the first time to get to know the city, you know, get to know um, brokers and meeting with brokers, meeting with property managers the first time I ever flew out there because I wanted to meet these people face to face. I think if you can, you don't have to, but if you can, that makes a big difference, right? Take them out to lunch, meet, meet them eye to eye, get to know what they're about, let them know what you are about and make that connection with them. I think that's that's huge if you can do that. So I, I did that. I actually went under contract on a 15-unit um, before that, this was, I think, about um, April of, of, of 19. And then when I went to do the inspection, like, things weren't 
as they seemed. Like for one, the units were about 150, 200 square feet smaller than what I was told. Now it wasn't the broker's fault because this was an off-market deal and the, the owner had sent in the square footage. So when I went there, they were doing all kinds of fixes and I just got a bad vibe from the owner right away. He seemed like real snaky and shady and just really salesy and they were doing work. So I didn't, yeah. so it's one thing when you're doing work to for a property that you own yourself, right? That you're going to keep. But when you have people doing work to sell and you're not oh, there, yeah. you know, what kind of work are you going to get realistically? They, right? They're going to cut every yeah. corner that they can. Yeah, they, they tend to put lipstick on a pig. That's what right. we call exactly. lipstick on yeah, a pig. Especially when I got that bad vibe from him initially as well on top of that. Yeah. He, had, he had his dad and some handymen like doing that and they didn't seem like, they weren't GCs, right? Put it like that, right? They definitely yeah. weren't general contractors. So yeah. I was like, you know, I, I don't trust this at all. There was, seemed like there was maybe a little bit of foundation issues. The area was a lot worse than I thought as well. So I did, I paid, it cost me a thousand dollars to do the inspection. Yeah. But I still, still, you know, I wasn't going to let that thousand dollars make me take the deal. Right. Because yeah. that was, that was a thousand dollars well spent to, to sort of, you know, Oh yeah, to, to get rid of that deal. Yeah. Imagine how much it's gonna cost me. You know, like we were there, like the property across the road, like there was a bunch of people out on this was on a Friday. On a Friday from there was 15, 20 people outside this property right across the road. And you know, they weren't um necessarily upstanding um citizens, right? So much so that you know, within an hour or so after that, the police turned up and arrested someone there. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. okay, this is a lot more ghetto than I would. But the problem, the interesting thing about that property was on the other, on the back end of that property were million dollar homes. So on the next, literally the next street ac uh, across, um, the, on the back side of the property, there were million dollar homes. So I was like, maybe in this future, this property would build it, but there was too much, too much issues with it. So I pulled out and, you know, that was a tough one as well because I hadn't closed on a property and I, we're trying to build this reputation in the area as a closer, as someone who does what they say they will. So, you know, I had to really talk to the broker about it. I said, Hey, I'm really sorry. I hope you don't, I hope you know that I'm a closer, that I'm serious. I'm not a tire kicker um, because your reputation is everything with brokers, right? Yeah. So I'm relying on broker relationships. Um, and that's explained to him why, right? Because he's losing out on a commission. Right. And he's like, you know, it, I think, you know, he knew, he, he eventually stopped talking to that guy because that guy was a time waster. He said that he was going to do all this stuff and that he, so he agreed with me eventually. He saw what that, what I'd sort of seen eventually with that, with that seller. So he, he, he eventually said, yeah, you did the right thing with that. And there's no, no hard feelings and continue, so, continue to bring me deals after that. Yeah. So in regards to, so you mentioned the, uh, the, the relationships, right? And you want to be able to, I mean, you, you, you spend all this time to the brokers and you want to be able to close on a, on a unit. How do you, um, how do you end up financing and closing on the six unit deal? So, yeah. So the, so that, so then, so I was looking for property. So with this broker, I mainly made a great relationship with one broker. He's a younger guy. And I think, that's something for people to consider it, take into consideration when you're starting out, especially when you're looking at sort of smaller stuff. I was looking at max 20 units at the time. That was the, the high end of what I would go to. You, you, you're not going to go to the top guy, the CCIM, the guy that's selling three, 400 units at a time, right? He's not, he doesn't have time for you. You want to find a young, hungry guy that you can work with that wants to help you. That, you know, if you're going to grow in the market, he's going to grow with you too. So you build that relationship with him. And that's what I did. So he eventually called me up in November of that year. I was like, Hey man, I've got, I think, I think this is a great deal. 
my sister-in-law is actually getting ready to list it on the residential market, uh, even though it's a six unit on the MLS, on the multiple listing service. And, um, but she'll, if, if, if we can make an offer like today, um, we, can, we can probably get it for list price. And I was like, really? It's like, yeah, tell me more. And he told me like about the area, about everything else like that. And I hadn't been looking at this area too much, but I knew it was a good area. So he's like, yeah, they want 300 for it. Um, there's a property down the street that's getting ready to list for 500. So even if you have to put a hundred into it, you know, that's a, you're going to have a hundred dollars worth of equity. And that's, that's all the analysis I did. And I built this relationship with him and I trusted him to, to kind of with those things. So I was like, all right, let's make the offer. And the good thing about making the offer is, um, is that you can always pull out, right? <laughs> you don't want yeah. to, you don't want to, and you don't want to be known as a person that pulls out and I pulled out with one deal already. So I didn't really want to have to pull out of another one, but, you know, if you can control that deal, I think Kiyosaki talks about that, right? You want to get control of yeah. that, right? So once you have that control of the deal, that's kind of yours to lose then or whatever, do with it what you want. So I made an offer. I mean, didn't even do an LOI. I don't think, I think we just went straight to PSA purchase and sale agreement, got it under contract and then flew out there for the uh, inspection and, and did the inspection and, you know, liked what I saw. Well, didn't like uh-huh. what I saw, but liked the opportunity. You know, um, so at the meantime, I was trying to find financing, and that's a great point because financing property, even though it was only a six unit, three hundred thousand dollar purchase price, you know, not not a three million dollar purchase price, it can still be challenging, especially investing out of state, right? You know, I wasn't going to get a, a an agency loan on that, right? The loan was for two hundred forty thousand, right? So I wasn't going to get an agency loan, a Freddie Mac or um, Fannie Mae loan on that. Um, so I had to find financing. Luckily, I got in touch with US Bank. And U.S. Bank have a policy that you have to have a footprint in the area in Cincinnati. So you even have to own property or you live there. But thankfully, U.S. Bank has uh, branches in Nevada, in Las Vegas. So if I opened an account in Las Vegas, that would count as me having a footprint in Cincinnati. So I was able to get around it like that. So the great thing was I built, I, I met this guy for lunch, built a great, again, building that relationship, right? You hear it time and time again, right? Relationships, relationship, relationship. Yeah, yeah. It's so true, man. Like literally, like it's just about getting to know people, right? What does a relationship mean? It means getting to know people, like having them take you seriously and get credible and someone that they, they're going to call if they find a deal or someone that wants to help you out. That's what a relationship kind of means to me more than, you know, the word itself, right? Because you hear it all the time. But so build that relationship, so I ended up getting a great low from them. I got a, a 4.3 interest rate at the time. So this was start of this year. It, now it looks crappy compared to where rates are now, right? But this was, yeah. you know, this was uh, this was late 2019, early early um, uh, 2020. And also I got a, um, no prepayment penalty. So they said you can get a 4.1 with a prepayment penalty or a 4.3 with no prepayment penalty. I'm like. I'm going to take the yeah. three, I think. Because yeah. I knew my, also what helped as well, I knew what my outcome was for this property, right? I, I knew I would have the option to refinance, but I knew that I wanted to sell it ultimately because six units wasn't yeah. something that I wanted to own long term. So I knew that I mean, no prepayment penalty kind of helped me a lot. Awesome, man. No, that was a lot, dude. I appreciate all the great insight into it. <laughs> no man it's all good that was that was amazing information i think for all the listeners it's good to know like hey you know you start scaling and building those relationships and you're right it is relationship 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 like you have to be able to talk to people and and they have to trust you and build that bond right but yeah man for the listeners if you can let them know where they can find you 
Uh, yeah. So yeah. Thank you guys for having me. That was fun. That, that time flew by. Um, the best place to find me is wrestlingwithrealestate.com. It has all my socials on there. It has my podcast, has my YouTube channel on there. There's also, uh, I love, uh, you guys know, I love talking about real estate. I, re I really, really enjoy this. And I love meeting people and talking to people. So there's a link on there. If anyone's interested in just hopping on a call and just talking about real estate, I'm not selling anything. I'm not Send a coaching program or anything like that. I just genuinely love meeting people, love talking to people. So if you go to wrestlingwithrealestate.com, there'll be a, a sign-up page there. You can sign up and we can just hop on a call sometime. And it has all my podcasts, um, all my YouTube stuff and all my socials on there. So so go check that out. And thank awesome, you guys so much for having me on. No, it was a pleasure for us, man. And thank you for, for coming on. And for the listeners out there, uh, give us a five-star review. Um, send us a message. Hey, like like Barry said, also, you know, send us a message and we can always talk. We're always glad to. Um, and we'll go from there. All right, we're out. Thank you.